So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Oh, that is refreshing. I think we're drinking the same beer as last week, correct? Correct. Why don't you tell us the name three times fast? I cannot. I can try once. Citrus Mistress by which brewery? It is the Hop Valley Brewery in Eugene, Oregon, and it is an IPA. Good pick. Good pick. It still tastes A good. A personal favorite, One right? week later. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just this brand. Um, I love their IPAs. There you go. Good find. So we're going to do some first impressions. We got the Peanut Butter Falcon up first. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Come to my wrestling school and become a badass. That's what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Yes, it is. You let a half-naked boy with Down syndrome who has no idea how to get along in this world just slip out from under your nose. You two are close. We are. Well, then you'll figure out where he's at and you'll bring him back. All right, Michael. That is the Peanut Butter Falcon. What do you think? I think it looks like a very nice movie. Um, very excited to see Dakota Johnson in it. Love her. Um, I like Shia LaBeouf these days. Um, ever since American Honey, I've been very pro Shia LaBeouf. Um, oh, pre-American Honey, please. That really cinched it for me, though. Um, I've I've been ride or die with him since even Stevens, man. Oh, those are, I mean, that he peaked early. Well, Great I mean, Charlie St. Cloud? Or is it Charlie St. Cloud, or what's that shit called? Charlie Countryman. The oh, Life and oh, Death never of Charlie Countryman. Uh, where he, like, legit got high in the movie. To like act like he was high in the movie. It's dedication. Uh, ripping his tooth out in Fury. Oof. Getting in fistfights with Brad Pitt and, uh, what's that guy that played the Punisher? Uh, I couldn't tell you his name, but I know who. You know who I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Like, oh man, this kid's just committed. And you like show it. me an indie movie with him in it? Exactly. I'm thinking American Honey. I'm thinking uh, Life and Death of Charlie Countryman. I'm on board. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I think it looks maybe a little sentimental or a little gooey for my liking. But I like a the, little goo every once in a while. I do. Um, it might uh, kind of fit in that vein of like hearts beat loud. Um, mm. Kind of um, feel good kind of thing. Um, but I like to feel good sometimes i think i'm picking up more of like a feel good bittersweet ending from it though mm. yeah Where like yeah. i think it's gonna feel good the way that uh like i said earlier uh swiss army man feels good while you're watching it and then when you get to the end and that reality where they show up at mary elizabeth winstead's house and there's like that fallout of like reality coming back i actually have not seen swiss army man oh, but you have i kind of have a sense for for what's going on there just having heard enough about it but, okay uh, yeah, so I can Be, see it. Because the way that Dakota Johnson's character is responsible for reality, like, mm. you know eventually reality's gonna come back in, in that third act ending. Right, right. Uh, did you just stumble upon this one, or did you hear about this one? Uh, I heard about this, I think, in February, is that when South by Southwest was? Oh, um, got it. When they were making some noise about this and Shia's, um, 
personal film that he plays his own father in um that he wrote you know that movie that i'm talking about i can't yeah remember is that one that. honey boy honey boy for a second i thought that's what this yeah. was so i didn't realize yeah he's got yeah he's got so that's when i started here. hearing about this and then um i have a friend who you just saw a movie with uh in fabric at south mm. by or shit not south by uh sif yeah and he saw this at sif and really liked oh, it so very nice i put it back on my radar i like it all right let's get over to dark crystal Age of Resistance. I see many endings lay before us. Some good, most bad. Tell no one. All right, we just watched the trailer for The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, a Netflix miniseries or series? Well, it said original series. I was under the impression it would be a limited series because it is before the film The Dark Crystal. Ah, only so much time to mind. But it is possible that they could do a continuous series, I suppose, for a few seasons. Yeah. So I have not seen the feature, Dark Crystal. I could have sworn we went and saw it together last year um as part of that that throwback back when movie pass was still working oh. in like late june we did mononoke together we correct? did mononoke at the regal. so that yeah. same regal theater did uh the dark crystal so ah. i just saw this very recently we maybe maybe in. we were gonna try to see it and you couldn't maybe that's what that could be yeah. yeah uh does that one hold a special place in your heart oh yes yes i think it holds a special place in every young boy's heart that sees it before the age of 12 mm-hmm. much like princess mononoke does yeah yeah um well i could say that i don't know that i'm crazy about this trailer so, Ooh, i am are you oh yeah well, maybe just because there's as, no plot there's, there's no, no plot. plot there's only um, symbology they show a lot of things from the film that make you go oh okay now i get it and it looks so good and it's filled with so much action and so little plot that I'm actually quite excited because I was worried that something like this might just be like a plot mechanic thing, but it was just like beautiful to look at action. It's like they took the troll hunters experience with DreamWorks and Yermo del Toro. We're like, all right, we're going to level up. We're going to go Jim Henson with this shit. Yeah, it does look good. Um, but as we were kind of saying during watching it, I can't really tell like to what extent is some of that is action? puppetry versus yeah kind of like some that but digitally doctored like it's like a little bit of both um but i think it looks pretty good it Um, it had my mouth open the whole time i was like i don't get how you could do this but okay (laughs) yeah yeah um maybe i was just mostly concentrated on that trying to figure out what exactly i was looking at but i liked it whatever it was um and you know don't I'm not familiar enough with like the narrative of the original, even having not seen it, um, to know what to expect. But based on the look alone, I think it looks pretty cool. Yes, it uh, it definitely pays dividends if you know the stuff. Like when that yeah. astrolabe starts rotating and it's in yeah. perfect condition, and it shows the the witch. Like she's she's crucial to the plot of the original. Yeah. So may, maybe um, if we cover this uh, to any extent, we'll rewatch the Dark Crystal and cover that on the show would you oh yeah all right let's let's plan to book that in late august or early september on air planning all right to the new world a curious man smith what is it that you're looking for i've always believed that something good was in store for me destiny all my own 
sing the song for us just to lead in yeah because it plays such a big role in the film itself right? it does it does so we're talking about terrence malick's the new world not the aladdin written directed edited do you think that this most benefits from terrence malick's writing his directing or his editing his directing disagree so. interesting what do you think his editing editing mm. As I sat there staring at those cuts, Mm. the way that he times those cuts, like if you didn't cut where you cut, it doesn't have the same impact. Like it doesn't like, like he uses shading to blend in his edits Mm. where he'll like, he'll have something white center and then he'll have something white center that does like a a cut. So it feels natural, even though it's totally different. Yeah. Or, or the way that he'll just, um, He'll shoot the the grass in front of the trees or the fence in front of the trees so that you get that same idea. And then he'll cut to the the river, mm. uh, the Potomac, right? With the ships on the Potomac. Oh, right, right. And so there, there's like, he just is constantly doing this thing where, um, and we also know that like Trey Edward Schultz did a bunch of shooting for um, some of his later films. And yeah, so in my right. head, I'm like, well, how many teams did he have shooting this shit? Like, I... I feel pretty confident that it's not just him shooting and then his cinematographer etc yeah it's definitely like far and away my favorite of his collaborations with Emmanuel Lubetsky like that is the thing I like most about um Song to Song or Knight of Cups is this same kind of you know fluid motion um but here paired with this particular narrative I find it uh far and away more uh tantalizing um and i think you said in your review that it's just a nice pairing of um classicism i think is the word you used Mm -hmm. in its narrative not to just take your words but it's because they're right on point um with uh something more poetic in the style right yeah yeah it it broke my head when i first saw it because i i mean you don't really come across things that deserve something like the Pulitzer Prize mm. in film that often. And I think this is like one of those first things where I was in a cinema and I was like, oh, this is like this is like a modern classic. Mm. You know, that's one of the first times that I could ever really say that. You know, because when you're a kid, you normally go see like Toy Story or whatever. And as great as that is, it doesn't deserve the fucking Pulitzer Prize of literature. But this is like the first thing where I was like, oh, film can do the thing that all the books that I've read can do. Or some of the books that I've read can do, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're immediately kind of keyed into the sense this is is doing something with cinematic grammar. Yeah, uh, that most films don't even do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Where does this stack up relative to your other Maliks? Good question. I don't know. Hard to say. 
I think that recency bias always betrays someone. So right now I want to say this is on top, but then I think about The Voyage of Time, Mm. think about Song to Song, think about Knight of Cups, and those are genius to me. I honestly am neutral on Badlands. It's okay. You know, like it's, it's not bad, but it's not great to me. Um, Days of Heaven, not great to me. Oh, that would be the one for me that competes with this. Whereas this is great to me. Yeah. And I think that because Knight of Cups and Song to Song are so silent, but so loud, that's why those get there for me. Yeah. Because you can put a lot into them as an audience member. And those characters can become your subconscious because of your ability to be able to project onto these characters. Yeah. And I think that that is also something this benefits from. While also having that subtext of the dialogue that you can barely hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's monologue. It's been a little while since I've seen Song to Song or Night of Cup. I saw both when they came out, which is just a while ago. But both of them have some narration, right? Yes. I think they both do. Um, From the characters themselves. Yeah, yeah. Which I I guess I had just kind of forgotten about how um, consistent that is. I think you get that in Badlands and Days of Heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. which, like, lots of movies don't use narration well. He uses it all the time, and it's always pretty good. Yeah, it's always, um, it's part of the literature of the film. Yeah. You know, it's it's a contributing factor to understanding the, the psychosis or the psychology of, of the narrative. Yeah, yeah. If there is a narrative to even, you know, that's yeah. the thing. Because yeah. all his films take place in a world, and his characters are people that want to be in a narrative but are actually in a world. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are most of the things you're feeling watching this movie? Is it more, um, is it is it sadness? Is it joy as you watch um, John and Pocahontas together? Is it is it is it difficult to even say one way or the other? It's. I, I say it because like I. It's an ache. It's a longing. Um, I'm I'm a man, so it's something like a paternal longing. Where it's like, I get that desire that he has. Mm. But I also know it's not going to last. But those mm. moments in the grass with her are just beautiful. It's yeah. just, you know, like that is, I think we've all had those moments in our lives or all will have some of those true love, quote unquote, moments in our lives where we just are infatuated. And we hit this peak thing of oxytocin being released in our brain and perfect timing and carefree thoughts. We're almost in a flow state where there's no other concern besides joy. Yeah. And that's what he put on film. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it, it was just kind of complicated, I guess, because you, I kept kind of waiting for it to become like more physical in a way. And they do, you know, certainly touch and, like, embrace and, and lay together. But it, it always felt, like, as uh, more spiritual, in a way, than of a physical kind of bond. Would you say spiritual, um, or would you say, like, natural without any of the of the rutting, perhaps? Uh, that sounds right, too. Um... It is definitely in that existential vein, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, something about how I would just not describe this as 
I would describe it as romance, but not less uh, of a sexual kind and more of like a tender kind. It it strikes mm-hmm. me much more as like the words coming to mind are like gentleness and tenderness rather than like I was about to say passion, but it is passionate in a way too. So it's it's kind of hard. Um, but I I just think there's something about the way that like the temperature between them is always it's never through the roof i don't know if i'm really articulating that but it's something about just how um never overly sexual or physical it seems to become to me yeah um, that really leads more to a, a a more spiritual kind of connection to me um which is just incredible um what do you think about these performers well <clears throat> colin farrell one of my favorite english-speaking actors just of all time i think that um that she was that movie called it's the super underrated movie where he's just like a fisherman and he finds a woman tied up in his nets and it's like a myth about her being a mermaid i think it came out like shortly around this time was that winter's tale that's not winter's tale that was another kind of fantasy right um he's had some some kind of big bombs um i don't know i don't know about this fisherman one but he's just an interesting career Anyways, yeah, continue. I'm the lobster, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, jeez, uh, what's her name? Kilcher. What's how do you pronounce her first name? Mr. with the Q. Is that right? Yeah, I I just said Kuoriana or something. Kilcher. Yeah. Um, she plays Elk Woman in my favorite film of last year. If you oh. recall, Hostiles. Oh, okay. I didn't realize she was in that. Yes, and I did not either realize that they were the same until watching this movie, and I was like. I, I know her. How do I know her? So she did go on to have a career. Yeah, that's great. Because she's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Bale, you're usually pretty positive on him. Love him. Yeah. Always love him. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the other faces kind of um, pop up. Um, ben Mendelsohn, mm-hmm. right? Early Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, yeah. Um. It, you know, and interesting just to see those faces because they don't get that much screen time. But no, they do they kind don't. of fill they, out the, they, the cast. Yes. So, so what do you think about this pivot from love in the winter, spring mm. coming? Normally, spring is this like beautiful thing. Here, spring springs him back into the fort mm. where men have been eating each other, and he basically becomes entrapped by these walls and yeah. his role for this society yeah yeah that that's where it starts to feel just more devastating to me where that uh that tenderness is is just kind of forgotten he says something like maybe i think it was you who quoted it something like it it felt like a dream and now i'm awake um as he's coming back into uh the port after his stint with them um and uh you just you you just can't help but want that uh bond to continue to to grow and it just feels like the distance then suddenly starting to grow mm-hmm. um what about you oh yeah i mean once kilcher gets to the point where she says you killed the god in me that's mm. that's when that'll do it yeah my I just I felt that like there's just some lines that Malik is capable of with such poetry and the way that he's editing this thing together where just it feels like the greatest of literature and it might be that I'm making that comparison because literature is like the longest art form we have Mm. 
in some sense other than like history or per but i mean even history has to be documented in a written form you know the bible is a work of literature um Mm -hmm. the quran work of literature so it's it seems only natural to pair this with the work of literature even though Mm -hmm. it is visual it it's bigger than a movie it's bigger than a film it's Mm. it just it doesn't fit in these previously denoted areas like it it cannot fit where anna fits it cannot be the same thing that ma is it is more than that yeah it's weird like but i I was almost thinking kind of the opposite like i think i see what you're saying but maybe i just i just say it differently that like i can't imagine it as anything other than a film oh it Um, it absolutely is a film but it's it deserves more accolade mm. than that like it also deserves to be called more yeah you know yeah. like it can't be a film the way that all these other films are films like it can't like what's that abraham lincoln the vampire slayer or whatever the fuck like mm. they can't be the same they thing. can't both these can't really both be movies right yeah like, like we can call them the same thing but like there there is a deeper thing to them where it's like this thing needs to be remembered with a more special name attached to it yeah. Right, like just because something's a book doesn't mean something's a work of literature. Yeah, is maybe what yeah. I mean. So just because something is a movie and a film doesn't mean that it's just that. It's yeah. also something more. Yeah, and I yeah. don't. Maybe there is a word for that, and I just don't know it. Or maybe we need to invent a word for that a hundred years into film now. Yeah, yeah. Or a hundred and twenty. Go with masterpiece for now. Yes. That that'll that'll suffice for. Do now. we just call it a criterion? Is that what we call it? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's got the Criterion uh, edition. Um, so you've seen the extended cut, the theatrical cut. Do you remember like what's been cut out? What I'd have, is still in? I, I think that it's mainly some of the poetic visuals. Yeah. And perhaps some of the more viscera part um, mm. with, with the violence and the fire. I can't mm. remember if I remember the thing is it was 15 years ago it came out roughly yeah and yeah. I was very young so I, I don't recall I just I know that I liked it this much both times yeah yeah what kind of note does it uh, end on for you these are not easy questions honesty hmm how about you? It's really complicated. Um, just because uh, Christian Bale, John Rolfe, mm-hmm. is his character, right? And Kilcher, I mean, there th- that has a romance of its own, even as it's, you know, kind of devastating to watch her um, be torn from her world and um, uh, die an ocean away from where she was born. Like, these are like deeply deeply sad things um which is just really hard to reconcile with the fact that um their relationship is portrayed as as um lovely in its own way i don't know like i'm almost scared to say that but um like in short john rolf is not made out to be a villain or something here right um was he I don't a villain so. historically um, I don't know, but I guess I, you know, just the easy way to, um, depict this story would be to really drive home just how, 
um, awful, awful it would be to be kind of torn from your um, culture of origin and thrown yeah. into this new world. And I don't think it tonally does that. I don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, Malik has his own artistic goals, so this is certainly not a true story. Right. Right. But it does have true events, and Pocahontas did die in the UK, right, um, on that trip. And I, I don't. Even if it's not true, I think that what Malik is is showing us about how the people we fall in passion with, um, while we can hit those ecstatic heights, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And as the new year arrives we can never hold that together perhaps Mm. and the people that we should truly be with are the ones that want us to be happy which is what john Mm. ralph represents he says that i would never would have married her um and she never would have married me if we knew that he was alive Um, right right and then like that sincere goodness is what makes her come back to him right right in england itself um so I I think that I just personally agree with the message and I, I don't know about the historical accuracies other yeah. than the major events. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I know that like her costume was like meticulously perfect where she's dressed up in that English corset for like the painting and stuff. If oh, you yeah. actually Google Pocahontas in England, there is that painting that they were doing in the film of her. And that's one of oh, the wow. most like legitimate um memorials to her that let us see what she looked like right right um yeah i mean there's the scene where she's brought uh before the the queen Mm -hmm. i think right um and there isn't a lot of exposition around it from what i remember but like you i kind of just assumed it was meant to kind of show like look at the um you know relationship we've we've built with these people you know, or look at how they they have welcomed um, our culture or embraced our culture, which is not exactly what happened here. No. Um, which is <laughs> which which is obviously just kind of horrifying in its own way. But that you at the same time are seeing her recognize that John Rolfe is um, is good. Um, well, like you know, what so, else is just, interesting yeah. now that you say that is these two entrenched societies, right? It's it's England. And then it's it's uh, Pocahontas's uh, tribe, and mm-hmm. and they kind of allude to the other tribes, but it's it's like two monarchical structures, and then this thing in between that's the ocean, and then these two coasts. Because mm-hmm. she gets off off the ship, and it's just noisy and like terrible, mm-hmm. right? And then it was essentially like noisy and terrible in that fort along the coast, mm-hmm. and then on these, and then there's these two. Um, monarchal structures and as much as we like are sympathetic for the natives in this film they also threw out pocahontas yeah yeah so neither neither of these structures is innocent neither of these coastlines are quote-unquote good and the the water in between is debatable right yeah um yeah yeah it's it's tricky. It's after she brings them food, right? Yes. And he figures that out or learns yeah. of it, and he says, "Well, you're you're out of here." After she saves their lives. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I 
I, you, you can't help but side with them in wanting uh, the in understanding that the her her tribe would would want them to leave as they said that they would yes. right um, but at the same time they're sort of just white waiting for them to starve to death mm-hmm. um, well right that's the agenda of each yeah. of these monarchies yeah and then there's like the the this moment in between of of love in sharing that Pocahontas extends to John Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just, I mean, have you ever seen a woman show up in furs looking so beautiful? Like, it's just, it's a weird thing that Malik does. Like he, he takes conventional beauty and like make, he makes something more beautiful than conventional beauty by going towards like this more natural beauty. It's hard to yeah. explain, but it's, it's just, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of it's like not beautiful like stuff like it's just like a miserably muddy camp where they're starved mm-hmm. to the bone they're like freezing to the bone um but i Hands never found eaten off. yeah yeah but i never found this like um you know it's just so easy to imagine a, a movie of this that really rubs that in your face mm-hmm. right like that is so far from what this is doing um that you're still sort of over- overwhelmed by the poetry of it, even as there's real uh, decay kind of in front of you. Not, yeah. not decay, but, you know. Like, you know, like, uh, say, a pot of water on a fireplace in the middle of a fort. And say, like, everyone's huddled around dipping their belts into it and then chewing on their belts. That's what happens. Not great. <laughs> Sounds rough. Yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, so for you, is this your favorite Malik? Yeah, I think it is, no doubt, actually. Um, Days of Heaven would be I want to say it is no doubt, but every time I watch a Malik movie in this last five years, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite one, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that can happen. <laughs> like everyone I watch that isn't um, Tree of Life or Badlands or Days of Thunder. Days of Heaven. Days of Heaven, sorry. Yeah, the, well, yeah, I should say that I have, I still have not seen Tree of Life. I still have not seen The Thin Red Line. Um, I haven't either. That'd be a good oh, one if we, go. if we, we got a one movie one. lined up. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure this is number one, closely followed by Days of Heaven and then probably Badlands. Um, you? Right now, this one, probably Knight of Cups. Then Voyage of Time, but I, I can put Song to Song at second. Easy. <laughs> Voyage of Time is really something if you're interested in in a poetic statement about the nature of the universe. Did you see that one in theaters? I did not. That would be no. cool to see. No, I. It's one I, I'd like love to see. I don't at, know like, if it came. Pacific Science Center. Oh, that could be. I think the release was pretty limited. Right? Yeah. And if it did come, I found out about it. Yeah, I think I found out about it after it had done its weekend at the IMAX. Yeah. In the Science Center, which was the only place it played in all of Washington, if I remember That'd be correctly. Pretty, pretty dope. Right. All right. Should we move on? Let's let's move on from this beautiful tapestry to a more neurotic piece. Schenectady, New York. <laughs> Death comes faster than you think. The idea is to do a massive theater piece. What was this used for? Plays. Like theater plays? 
I disappointed you somehow? Everyone is disappointing. The more you know someone. I don't know what I'm doing. Knowing that you don't know is the most essential step to knowing, you know? I think last week I was just realizing this, that I think the highest movie, or between the couple movies we watched, the highest score was a two. We did a really big swing this week. Mm-hmm. From a couple twos to three fives across both three of us. Three fives. It's a good week. It's it's an improvement. It's still um, not the happiest selection of films we've ever watched. It's true. But that's that's fitting of a show that started with the Gaspar Noé feature. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I assume you gave Synecdoche, New York five stars. Yep. With a heart. Nope. Oh, no heart. Because it's, it's a little bit of a... To say one. that I like this movie is absolutely false. To mm. say this is a perfect movie is perhaps an understatement. Mm. that does not mean that it makes me feel good or have that you, I like it. Have you, uh, that was actually going to be one of my questions. Is this a feel-good movie or a feel-bad movie? This is a feel-bad movie. Yeah. I mean, is there a Charlie Kaufman movie that is feel-good? That's... I don't that, think, not there, that I've there's seen. There's doctorate dissertations on film theory that can be written about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. For me, it's a feel-bad movie. But one that feels good because it's just so uh, uh, sincere well in wrought. its feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and just So you've never seen this before. Is I have that not. correct? Okay. That is correct. How many times? Have you seen this a couple times? Third time. Third time. Always been uh, um, awestruck by it. Awestruck, exhausted, slightly hateful of Charlie Kaufman just like as a person yeah yeah (laughs) just like you were so neurotic and like you know what's wrong with you just go do the work (laughs) yeah it it is interesting like i think there are dissenting opinions on this one that just say like this is just miserable like oh it absolutely is is miserable what is redeeming about this um oh it's perfection it, it it expresses itself yes. in a in a in an invigorating way. Um, Ooh, I don't know. It's right. Invigorating like means that it like replenishes your energy, right? Mm. And to me, this is something that is just fucking exhausting. Like yeah. just yeah, watching hard. Philip Seymour Hoffman begin to tremble after he hangs up after a conversation doesn't go his way, and dial nine one one as he's experiencing stress induced seizures by basically being a baby when the world doesn't go his mm-hmm. way yeah it yeah. just becomes exhaustive <laughs> yeah boy i i haven't watched anything with philip seymour hoffman in a while but like it is just a reminder of how good he is you know um, i was thinking about that when i turned it on i was like you know we have a lot of talk about like the greatest living actors but the way that you know philip seymour hoffman is actually good is he's one of the greatest dead actors and there's a lot of those. And he lives on in the movies. He does. No doubt. Yeah, it makes me realize just like uh, how much I treasure the master with him and Joaquin Phoenix. Just like I need to rewatch that. Ever. So good. Best um, duo ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. It's up there. But I mean, I really love everybody in this movie. Um, I mean, I, I think this is really like one of my favorite casts ever. Um, you said that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I agree, but I understand your sentiment. Oh yeah. Um yeah, I I don't know. I think uh it they're they're um they're they're tough feelings to have to to watch unfold, but I 
I just think I. It's an um, interesting under- interrogation of the self. Is what yeah, it is, very, right? it's very introspective. Um, I think it's sorry, not all of the other one. Oh, right? like that. So funny. It's just like that. He decides to care about this one who ran away from him. And then this one that he has, he doesn't care about his daughters yeah. is what I'm talking about. It's just so fucking terrible, but yeah. it's so true of people like Kaufman. Yeah. That are that type of neurotic and filled with anxiety. And, um, I mean, like if he grew up today, he would have, you, you know, that millennial case of the FOMO, just unending oh, yeah. FOMO. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, th- and that he is like, so kind of obsessed with, uh, his own death. Um, it was almost like a little, like super intense Woody Allen to me. Um, Woody Allen is like, when I think of like neurotic auteurs, he's like always the first one that comes to mind. Um, Charlie Kaufman yeah, is like does neurotic. does he do anything that like Alex Ross Perry doesn't do? Or, you know what I mean? Like, uh, who's the dude that did Wiener Dog again? Oh, Todd, Todd Salons. Right. Like, yeah. like there's a certain type of neuroses that's like more approachable. Mm. And this Kaufman neuroses is like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of a, a tricky movie to like summarize broadly in a way because there's so much detail like anything you try to say about it into into broad of words you're probably going to find some exceptions to that rule um yeah i think we should take this conversation and wall it up wall it up (laughs) it's played out wall it up (laughs) um one detail the burning house what do you make of that do you have thoughts yeah that's one detail I don't know that I ever really came down on um, with an interpretation of. I, I think that there's a lot of people that we'll meet in our lives where we know they're doing something that is a lie. Mm. And we pretend with them that it's going to be fine. But we know it's not going to end well. And that's kind of like buying a house that's on fire. With a guy that lives in the basement who you're going to marry and have kids with. Yeah. Right? Like, there's there's plenty of those situations that our loved ones will do, and we'll see them do them, but we can't tell them that they're doing it wrong because they have to experience that lesson. It's kind of like a five-year-old that needs to know what getting burned means before they listen mm. to the fact that that's going to burn you. They have mm. to know what that means first before yeah. that warning helps. Or that that's going to be really cold. Don't get in yet. We need to, or like, don't eat that. You know, like, don't bite into that frozen thing. It's going to break your teeth. It's something like Mm. that. And um, it's just a perfect illustration of like, we all know that she's in love with Philip Seymour Hoffman, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is philandering around with Michelle Williams. Yeah. So while Catherine Keener has left him to go to Berlin with Jennifer Jason Lee. So she's going to go pretend that this is what she wants to fulfill herself is to buy a house, right? Because that's yeah. what everybody else does. Yeah. And yeah. it does not fulfill her. And at the end of the movie, we see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I almost took in like maybe too literal, too literal of a way. Like, I don't think there's really the, the textual evidence to, to back this up anyway. It just came to mind, which is that like, if this is partly about like how uh, preoccupied he is with death, while at the same time being terrified with everything 
he has to deal with in life mm. um like what his daughter might turn out to be um that terrifies him. but only the daughter um, that left him right um how to you know figure out his love life and then in a way like the the, the prospect of buying a house um and the, like the the terror that that can bring in a financial sense and that is just going to slowly kill you you're buying your coffin in a way mm-hmm. when you know you're you're never going to be able that that's where you're going to live until you're until your death um i like it it's 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 as morbid as anything else um, but like right that statement isn't true of all people true true and and that's where like that that's maybe why i avoided that cuz i was like what is true of like all people even people that will buy that house that's on fire will also do their own respective terrible choices that mm. all the people that care about them will know that they're making but can't tell them that they shouldn't be in that relationship that they shouldn't mm-hmm. take that job that they should hold out for that opportunity that they're not ready for that pet that they're not ready to have that kid mm. you know like whatever it is it's we all know that they're not ready for this thing yeah yeah um yeah, it's it, it's very morbid, but like I think what what why it still earns a heart for me is that I think it's also just super funny. Like I was absolutely laughing during this. Um, you already mentioned one of my favorite quips where he mixes up the names of his two daughters. My other favorite might be him describing the two types of psychosis to his daughter. Um, just perfect performance. One there. is like mommy, and the other one's the one I have on my face. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee having an accent after a certain <laughs> point, and she's super funny. Um, Catherine Keener talking about the dream in which he dies so she can start anew. Um, what do you think about the... I mean, there's no way to dance around it. The straight-up sexual abuse of Olive by Jennifer Jason Lee at the age of 14. Oh, it's... Uh, terrible just terrible right yeah less funny for sure but it's it's weird how when we watch those scenes with her he's still framed as the insane bad guy by the way that like the film is constructed it's a weird thing where like you know that this like we'll get to it in la ventura as well like Mm. the people that are bad are being depicted not bad yeah yeah um are there people in here that you just plain like that i just plain like yes what is her name she plays the she plays philip seymour hoffman's character once what's his name kills himself and she was originally the cleaning lady oh uh diane weist diane weist yeah diane weist is just straight up joy Oh, yeah, that line here, he's like, you are weirdly exactly what I pictured for this role. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I am so glad I am weirdly perfect. (laughs) What what do you think about the the fact that we're watching a movie, which is set in a fake world, Mm. of Synecdoche, New York, Mm. and then they discover a playhouse for his play because he won the MacArthur grant Mm -hmm. to put this play on. And then they set the play up in there. And then it becomes bigger than the city ever was. Mm. And they put another one in it. Yes, I don't know that I can respond without just 
talking in circles. Yes. Uh, except that I can maybe say most of what I think I'm seeing here is just a is a projection of a certain state of mind. That's how I interpret Agreed. it, right? Everywhere he looks, he sees himself um, dying of a sickness or um, experiencing pain in, in some way. You know, you keep seeing himself on the TV. Um, Don't you love when he's writing down all those post-it notes? Like, you just had an abortion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just got in a <laughs> it's car like a accident. Whole table full of them, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and, I mean, I, he almost kind of, like, says, I think, this verbatim at some point where they're rehearsing and he says, like, like we're going to be laying ourselves bare or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's why I this is so enjoyable, even though it's miserable, is that, like, the feeling that someone is is opening up themselves to you about all their greatest like fears um and anxieties is still very um satisfying right you you just get the sense that you're like that someone out there might feel the same way about however you feel about the world not necessarily that i feel quite this this cynical about things but um i can yeah yeah, I I can get there. It's the it's kind of the openness to it um, that is uh, just so kind of admirable. Have Have you ever seen the film Capote? I have not seen Capote. Okay, very intrigued by it though. I, th- I think one of the best um, performances he's ever done is mm. in Capote, and so I wanted to ask you if you'd prefer this or that, and then if you uh, had seen it, do you think that Capote or DiCaprio and Aviator is the most transformative role. Oh, that's interesting. What would you say? I don't know. I don't know. Tough that's call. why I wanted to ask you. I'd, I'd like to revisit all of those films. Yeah, I think yeah. that they're they're some of those um, transformative roles. Yeah, yeah. I did. I read the book in Cold Blood, so I've always kind of wanted to watch the movie in Cold Blood and then watch Capote or vice versa. Yeah. Um, but something another episode when it's slow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. Yeah. Favorite female performer. Michelle Williams, probably. Um, it's hard to not pick her every time she's in a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she does get a lot of screen time. A lot of screen time, so maybe that's a little that makes it a little bit easier. Um, but not more than um. I'd say the the assistant, I guess. The assistant, and then the assistants. Um stand-in <laughs> it gets a little tricky to yeah. find the word. the second assistant's assistant i i don't know how to find <laughs> yeah that's when i think i i maybe got like most sort of lost in this world is when up to a certain point i can kind of track like the layers of this thing uh-huh. but then the layers kind of start to interact with each other yes. right when, in, in ways that break the layering right and i'm like okay yeah i think i'm I'm still in this thing, but I'm a little, I'm a little lost in a good way. Very much um, like La Ventura. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you favorite character, favorite or or favorite performance? I mean, female if you performer, right? Because the only Hoffman. male performer to pick yeah. is Hoffman, yeah. but female performer Williams. Yeah, but I, I mean, some of those deliveries from Jennifer Jason Leigh are scrumptious oh yeah yeah this would i mean far and away be the best ensemble were we to do that list for this year really 20, 2005 i think is this one best ensemble 
of the nature of the film brings that to question for me. Because mm. I think about Christopher Plummer with everybody else in the new world and like mm. just how you don't even see them as actors. Mm. Like you don't really think about that queen as the actress who played the queen. You think about the queen. Yeah. Like to me, like those types of things were just the nature of viewing these people as performers already denotes it a little bit in my ensemble mm. looking. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I mean, just pure spectacle, like, yeah, there's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. 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 I was thinking at one point about like what I would bundle this with, like if there's any other movie um, you know, if you were to program it in something, what would it be? And I think it would actually be movies we've watched recently, things like All That Jazz, The Souvenir, The House That Jack Built, all these sort of like artistic introspective exercises. Yes. Or does artists are artists taking themselves as the subject? Yes. Um uh looking inward for the for the material. Mm-hmm. Um uh it, it it is a kind of project that I enjoy it is right it's it's just a perfect film and i don't like it but i want to (laughs) because it's so perfect but it keeps me at arm's length with its negativity and neuroses and uh just asthma to life (laughs) want to end on that (laughs) yeah let's let's get to the adventure you were talking about the souvenir let's let's talk about the uh the prostitute requesting the souvenir. That that did come to mind, no doubt. L'Aventura, Michelangelo Antonioni's erotic adventure that travels from the core of human desire to the surface of casual passion, magnificently told against the lavish background of the affluent society of present-day Europe. La Ventura, unfolding in vividly etched scenes of unprecedented pictorial splendor and sensuality. La Ventura. You've seen this once, twice before? Three times. Three times? Man, when did you first see this? Good question. 2010 or 11, I want to say. Okay. Pretty recently. So you've watched it a good number of times in the last decade. Yeah, it is. It's a film. That it is. Each time you've watched this, just because you felt like you had to come back to it, or certain things. First brought time you back I watched it, because my friend was like, "I have to watch this for college." Ah, and I was like, "Fuck, watching movies for college? Shit, yeah, dude. Where you go to school? <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch some movies for college." Um, and then it just, I didn't get it, but I loved it stuck to my mm. ribs and i i didn't comprehend it i didn't i i just didn't know what to do with it and so i revisited it probably like three or four years later yeah. now probably five years later so has it grown in your estimation or was it already so high it just stayed right on top no it How's clarified it itself mm. it's come into focus it's always been perfect but now i'm understanding it's imperfections are what make it perfect mm. the imperfections make it perfect what do you what do you see are the uh imper- imperfections the characters 
Mm. the nature of the film i think that in the beginning there is a moment uh about in the first 20 minutes if i remember correctly where the lens itself has a small lens flare on the top left corner Mm. and you almost go like what's what's that doing there and then like when an actor walks in front of it it disappears and then it comes back Mm. um you're like huh that's that's like the earliest i think i've ever seen like a a flaw in a camera lens Mm. that feels artistic, but also accidental. Mm. And then there's these other moments in this film where there's just like random lines or dots that are on the edges of the lens. Oh, I don't think I've even seen this. If you recall near the end, when he goes to knock on the door of the museum Uh and no one's there. And then he goes and complains and taps his watch. When he's going up the stairs to the museum, that whole single shot pan where it's shot perfectly and his his feet are literally at the bottom of the camera lens, like it's perfect framing. Mm -hmm. There is something on the right hand side that is just like doing weird shit. Like it's just a line and it does like this weird shit where it just moves and it's just like a line. Yeah. And it's just like these imperfections make it feel almost like you're looking at a painting or something. Like Mm -hmm. there's... um there's an extra bit to it that make it it feel like it's it's flaws make it real it's, it's yeah weird. yeah it's it's uh with something like so meticulous sometimes it can you know some movies achieve that but then it somehow feels kind of airless right mm-hmm. like it feels overly determined or something like that yes. so yeah i could definitely see how if you if you see something like that it suddenly brings reality into it right it doesn't just feel like this kind of hermetically sealed thing um so i imagine you were watching this on your couch and you thought geez everybody from the 1960s is dead on the movie ends you stood up and you booed as loud as you could just like everyone at can right yeah i was like oh yeah terrible you've heard about this correct i did not the, actually so i thought it, it was a big hit it did win the grand jury prize mm-hmm. but the audience that it i believe first screened for booed it oh did not appreciate it. No. So that's that's I did not know that. What that was like then. That's interesting. So that, this, I mean, this, this is one of those first movies that shifts plot. Yeah, for right? sure. That that makes no sense. And I so the reason I knew you would love this film mm. is because one of your favorite films of all time is very, very similar in its um synopsis. Mm. A girl disappears. Oh, on yeah. a hard rocky surface mm-hmm. peter weir's picnic at hanging rock 100%. clearly took some inspiration bare minimum from laventure yeah picnic at Hang- hanging rock absolutely came to mind um and it only sort of deepened my love for picnic at hanging rock because it feels like that movie kind of borrows that idea but for its completely own purpose whereas mm-hmm. that movie was really to me you know partly about coming of age and adolescence and sure. this transformative moment of going from girlhood to womanhood um and how just sort of unreal that can feel i mean that seems like a completely different kind of subject matter oh 100 um, percent, but yeah. still motif wise very similar in its feel yeah they go missing and everyone's looking for them like or plot, or basically. everyone looks for them for a bit Right, right. In um, this case. 
Yeah. Because uh, some people have too much money and hate their lives and just are looking for that next bit of feeling. Yeah. Um, I remember everybody comparing, or not really comparing, but talking about Antonioni after Burning came out for the same reason mm-hmm. that this girl goes missing partway through. There we have an idea who might be responsible for who. Yeah, for and why they're, she's they're actually worried about it the whole time. Right. right. And it's not like a, a sexual film burning isn't to the same extent. Like, it, yeah. it is, but it's not the same style. Like, it's not about the emptiness and the futility of life the way that this is. Oh, that's exactly what, that's interesting. That's like what exactly what burning feels like to me to some extent. You, I think I think it does feel like that, but I think that there are some characters that don't believe that in the film. Oh yeah, I, and in nobody, this film, yeah. the main characters believe or like they come to understand the futility of life. Right? Yeah, it, it, uh, it's definitely not like a uh, a, a perfect mapping by any means. Um, there's no one quite like Stephen Yun's potential serial killer. Like yes. it is definitely its own thing. Um, I also thought about Clouds of Sills Maria and Kristen Stewart disappearing at the mm-hmm. end of the movie on that hike. Mm-hmm. Um, that came to mind only because um, there's one of the Criterion supplements. I didn't watch it, but it's all Olivier Alce. I was talking about it. And I was like, oh, I wonder what, you know, how, how he's been influenced by Antonioni. And so I kind of wonder, was that maybe an homage? Yeah, that was part of the Criterion Collections re-release of it, right? Yeah, they did yeah. the extra feature with Isaias. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. I wanted to watch it. I just couldn't get to it. Yeah, um, and oh, what was the other movie that was coming to mind? Oh, Columbus, um, the Coconata one, just for how you know architecture is like in every shot of that movie. Yes. Um, well, that I, that's the interesting thing about La Ventura is that they use these stone facades mm. whether it's natural in the volcanic islands or man-made in the nature of the cinematic looking landscape right that's literally what they say look how cinematic it looks when they're on top yeah. with those bells um they're when they walk in front of it they feel like they're of a different era than it mm. or when they're walking mm. on it they're different than it and i think that um I think this film might might be that turning point where we start to get that that uh, Louis Buñuel style Agnes Varda shift towards Godard, even mm-hmm. you know this shift in cinema where uh, the narrative structure takes a backseat to the auteur or the characters in the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it's like the the form itself is is telling as telling the story more so than like the script. Yes. Right. It feels like a director's medium rather than a screenwriter's medium. And it feels like you could almost take any of the shots and put it in a, like, like print it out, put it in a frame, make it large and hang it. And it's just art. And just stare at it for a while. Yeah. 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 Like any of them though. Yeah. And and, and it'll tell you something about those characters. Like that, that man who rose back to his, single house on the island when he's pointing at uh, like this is this person this is this person this yeah. is like dude you print that out you put that on your wall that looks like art I'm yeah sorry yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um i would love to know if it if it was um a little funny to people at the time at all or if this is only a distance thing um when we're on the island and we're 
um, you know, kind of getting to know the different couples. The one guy who just is routinely shutting down his wife when he's like, she's like, oh, yeah, beautiful weather, huh? He's like, I can see the weather, Julia. Uh, I, that did give me some some laughs. Um, and then um, later she says, like, he's been he's been mean to me all day. It's, yeah, it's a certain yeah. turn of phrase in the translation that's like, oh, that's exactly it, you know? You know? Yeah. And then, yeah. um, uh, geez, what's her name? They go to see the young painter. And then she's mm. acting all mad at Julia. Oh, right, right, right. Even though she's doing even worse, ostensibly, because Anna is missing. Yeah. And yeah. she's now with the fiancé. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's like, these people, they're just, they're filling parts. Like, to me, this mm. and Synecdoche are very similar. Because mm. it's like, these people are so self-absorbed that it's just these people fill parts in their lives. Mm, They're not actual relationships. They're just placeholders for people's Mm -hmm. filling in a role, not like actual people relationship, but there's nothing interpersonal about these people. Yeah. 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 They definitely share a, a despair. Yeah. And that's, Um, that's like exactly what those tears are about at the end for me. Like, like both of them are just empty as fuck inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it seems, uh, have a skepticism of religion, uh, to me, um, when they're, or Monica Vitti's tapping on the blinds of the church and, you know, it says it's, you know, it's, it's empty. Why is it empty? Um, you know, and the camera's panning back as they leave that sign and it's just this big empty church, um, uh, in, in, encompassing the whole frame. I think I agree, but I also think that it might be bigger than that. I definitely believe that. Like a critique of, of that, uh, what, what is that? That shit. Starts with Neo. I don't remember which mm. Neo it is, but there's a maybe Neo Modern. It's hard. Jeez. I wish that I remembered that term, but it, because they criticized the museum for not being open. And then the townspeople had chased the last tourists out of the town mm-hmm. for wearing strunks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember? Yeah. And then, um, like, the nun had never been up there. Oh, right, right, right. Right. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's like, all these weird little things to this place where it's, that was like, interesting. The, yeah. the way that they experience the world is, like, this anti- way of experiencing the world and then these people who are going and seeing these spots in the world are terrible people so it's like if terrible people go to see these spots and then Mm. the people in the town don't like where are the good people and then like when she's alone standing outside in that square and all the men are just lambasting her yeah Yeah, it's like I, i don't know this this movie is just so rich yeah yeah when they're on the island and uh the missing girl's father shows up and has uh has found like her bible or something like that and says like oh she you know was still religious somebody religious couldn't possibly have committed suicide right and i don't think monica vd even responds she just walks away um and it's just in that movement that it's like do you really think that's the case um and I, that that's maybe where more of that skepticism came in for me um but yeah i don't know i mean just just shot after shot i just i i just think there's there's 
meaning in, in every image yet. It's just great. So the hardest question of this episode mm. of three films that get perfect fives from both of us. Mm. Which film is your favorite? <sighs> it's really hard. The so, two that you don't pick are permanently destroyed. Well, I can start by saying I don't think it is Synecdoche, New York. I think that would be number three. Um, that one. The only thing that's really missing there, I think, is something about like its um, visual power, mm-hmm. right? I mean, th- these are just astounding looking films the new world and la ventura so i'm gonna eliminate that one and i'm gonna kick it back to you to eliminate one. Oh, i i'll eliminate snack to kill all day there you go damn it so now it's my turn again mm-hmm. <laughs> i it's really really hard right very very difficult because based on our experience it seems like the new world unlocks this third phase of malik that gave us Song to Song, that gave us Knight of Cups, that gives us Voyage of Time. All three of those films are very similarly edited and similarly narrated, mm-hmm. right? And then it's like, okay, so if we get rid of the New World, we might get rid of this new motif of Malik that made him mm-hmm. release three movies in like a year and a half, even though they yeah. were all done at one point in time. Like they were all done at once and unreleased yeah. at one point in time. Yeah. So you miss out on those. But if you get rid of La Ventura, you get rid of the stylings of most recently Roma. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like like you literally see a license plate that says Roma that looks like a shot from Cuaron's Roma in La Ventura. Like it's it's obvious. Yeah. Uh I think I would go with La Ventura, but it is painful to say, and I think together they nicely showed like just what the camera can do whereas i think like the new world really shows like the power of um moving the frame right that Mm -hmm. is all about the camera moving Um, but it's also about where you time those cuts that that too and that is that movement that's editing is like just that is a uniquely cinematic thing that swirl Um, that he has is just yeah whereas the camera moves in La Note, but it's much more about like static composition and movement within the frame. Rather and that's than a movement. film I need to see. She's in that, correct? Oh wait, what did I say? Did I say La Note? Yeah, I meant to say La Ventura. Same thing of La Note of yeah. La Note. Um, but yeah, I think it's I would more go with static. In La Ventura. What about you? It's emotionally the New World mm-hmm. is my preferred film classicism though like thinking about like what you lose if you get rid of la ventura i have to pick la ventura because without la ventura how much do you miss out on like if this is the birth quote-unquote of handheld cinema at the Cannes film festival and then you get to sex lies and videotape with soderbergh in 89 Mm. winning that award at Cannes as well then it's like well, shit, I gotta go with La Ventura because that changed the game. And you gotta go with yeah. the thing that changed the game and influenced cinema the most. Yeah, so... Because I love cinema, so I want the best version of it, even though I love all four of those movies that are tied together with The New World, uh, Voyage of Time, Song to Song, and Night of Cups. But it sounds like if you were walking into a movie theater, one was playing on one screen, one on another, and you could never watch the two again, 
you would maybe pick the new world in that case. Why don't we do this to ourselves? <laughs> Defense on the day. Defense on the day. Defense on the day. Oh, man. Imagine not walking into La Ventura. I know. That's the thing. Like, I can't imagine not walking into La Ventura. Where I, I imagine me being like, it's 11.30 on a Monday night. I'm not going to go sit for three hours and watch the it's new true. world. Whereas it's like, yeah, I could do like two hours for La Ventura at 2 a.m. Sure. Yeah, this is where Synecdoche <laughs> comes in because I might just start looking like Philip Seymour Hoffman in between the two theaters yeah. and not watch either <laughs> because I can't decide. <laughs> and someone's like, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, good decisions to have to make. Right good week favorite creator antonioni malik mm. kaufman antonioni that Tony i can Oni. say quite confidently uh you malik yeah but i need more antonioni there you go it's an unqualified statement i think i've only seen two antonionis so whereas i've seen five malik's tree of yep. life no six a little six more malik's. data there yeah smart choice that is it for this episode. Any any parting shots? This very positive episode. This very, we very positive. This. We will never get this positive again, so long as we live. Enjoy it. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! You know what that means. Another one in the can! <laughs> <laughs>